1: Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, but that currently looks like four pixels on my screen. He's across the internet. His internet's not working very well today, though. How yeah. are you doing, Brad?
2: I'm good. I'm tired. Um, most listeners won't know that this is like the earliest Syrupcast we've ever recorded, which isn't really that early, but I'm going to complain about it nonetheless. Um, and I'm going to blame that on my internet issues today. So my internet's not usually not up and running until, you know, about ten thirty, And so we're going to see, we'll see what happens today.
1: Your internet needs its coffee this morning.
2: Yeah. It needs to get the hamsters need to start, you know, getting their legs stretched and run. Like we only keep two of them on the wheels overnight and it's just not enough power to keep the, the 150 megabytes running smoothly.
1: This is, I think, at least as long as I have been on the syrup cast, the yeah. earliest episode that i can think of though for sure that that's yeah. that's a real fact
2: there's no way we would have ever done it earlier than this before the time that i've been on it because like we would
1: you would have had to go to the office it's like you're not going to the office to record this early we did do like a, a 10 a.m one at at some point i remember um mm-hmm. but yeah th- this is not the the surfcast history episode oh. john you're also on the podcast this week you've been sitting I'm there back. quietly waiting how are you doing john I'm Some doing pretty wins. good.
3: I'm also tired, but not as tired as you guys because I I got up early. Um and I've had my coffee. So, so I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm working it's a nice on. morning. I'm, I'm it's, halfway, it's halfway out. through my coffee. It's way too hot still. Ugh. I haven't it's, went outside yet. I wore a festive when, shirt uh, though. Don't. Stay <laughs> stay inside. Yeah. Where yeah, it's I cold. Be safe. When yeah. I
1: was uh when I was on vacation, I came home um and the Nest home and away feature had accidentally yeah. turned on. So I wasn't home, obviously. So my air conditioning wasn't running, period. And it was 30 degrees in my house when I walked in, in the the house. House. Oh, no. oh, my God. <laughs> so I turned yeah, that yeah. off. That's never going to happen again.
2: There's no way to, like, set it and be like, hey, when you recognize I'm away and it's summertime, like, you know, maybe keep it at, like, 25 so we can at least pump it, like, lower quickly or... Probably.
1: I just, I just turned it off entirely because i like, a, I want it to be like somewhat cool for my cat. Right. So yeah, I, there's probably yeah. like some sort of cool temperature cats. limitation you can put in place where it, where it like doesn't go above 25 or 24 or something like that. Yeah. But I just turned it off. It's easier that way.
2: You want to hear a sad, th- smart thermostat story before we uh, kick off. This I do. Podcast? I love smart thermostat stories. So the start of the story, actually the sad, I could end it right after this, but I rent period sad, smart home story. Um, no, but the uh, thermostat in my apartment, Is a smart home, home, ah, smart home thermostat. It's um, the Honeywell Round or something like that, I believe it's called. But it's three, three sort of renter generations old, and three renter generations ago, somebody set it up, logged in, made an account, and has been in that account ever since. And so I have no idea how to connect it to my Wi-Fi or any of the smart features or anything. So it is a smart thermostat that I must treat like a dumb thermostat.
1: And... You can reset it. No, I did. And it's did you? Locked it's down. It's yeah. Really? Okay. That's <clears throat> Maybe I
2: can. What, what were you going to say? Maybe I didn't do all the way. I um.
1: There's a thermostat like that in the condo that I had when I lived in Etobicoke. Yeah. And uh, I reset it. Like it was hooked up to somebody else's smart features, and then I was able to like just set it up factory defaults again.
2: Yeah. No. I'm, I factory defaulted it um, the start of this summer when my landlord like came over was like hey we need to turn the air conditioning on blah 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 um and we we had, we had like a hell of a time trying to get it working just because it was under this different name and like it was set That's to like so only mode or something i don't know it took us forever we factory reset it we finally got it out to cold mode and get cold mode again uh, but we never got that other dude's name off of it so i wish That's i could brutal. just share my address and be like hey if you lived here give me the give me the thermostat password if you lived in cabbage town and you had a round uh cabbage town toronto you had a, a honeywell round thermostat you left it reach out to me online at the Brad Fat. give me that password please thank you very much let's start this podcast off
1: that's all i got yeah so uh we're done with with chat thermostats. So that that's a good intro to the show before we get into like the actual bulk of the episode this is this is a little bit different for us we're doing a themed episode there's not really any tech news happening we know september is going to be really busy so what we decided to do this week is to take a look back at a couple of the devices we've either reviewed or written about earlier in the year, and how those products have fared over the past like, roughly six months or so, and whether or not our opinions have changed. But we, before we get into that, Bennett, hit us with the hottest news of the week. I... Whenever I sing it, I
2: sing it so I can edit it, because when I do the video, I can like edit the soundtrack on top of that. I never listen to the full audio version that the audio editor does. Do they just edit out my singing, or do they do I believe they edit it's edited it out. Brutal. Well, I hope they hope they can find a way to get that in there. Anyway, so hottest news of the week. Let's start off. Uh, basically, our newest employee, or no, I guess, should I mention that we're possibly, or we have someone new starting today? Is that even
1: worth mentioning? I guess I've kind of put the cat out of the bag now. Sure, um, I think you've already mentioned it. Yeah, sorry.
2: Our second newest employee, Karan, wrote an article. He put took some really great photos for it. Um uh, was gonna get to that, but we also have a new uh a new attorney today. Her name is Alyssa and she'll be filling our telecom reporter role that was previously filled by Aisha Malik, um Shruti Shakira before her, Samir Trapper before her uh Rose Bihar before him. And I don't know how far down the line it goes before those people. But we have a new telecom reporter. We're pretty excited about it. It's a big niche for mobile syrup. I'm sure as a listener, you understand that you're probably excited for more telecom news coming your way. And hopefully that's cool. But anyway, back to the hottest news of the week. Um, our now second newest employee, Karan Ober, Karandeep Oberai. We call him Karan though. Uh, he put a new review up of the Steel Series Aerox 3 Wireless. Um uh, you know he's mis- just been getting started with us, but I think he took some really great photos in this one, um, and the review is pretty cool too. So if you're looking for a new gaming mouse, this could be one to check out.
1: Anyway, what I thought that- was interesting. Oh, sorry, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say what I thought was interesting about the mouse. And this is someone who doesn't play any PC games, right? So I'm coming from a totally different world. Is the fact that it's like air flows through it? You know what I mean? Like it's hollow. Yeah, it's like a honeycomb. honeycomb oh yeah. Other that's, than that's like the times really John. There. Uh, John, when you, I know you've written a couple of stories about the mice like that in the past, but this, this was like, other than that, one of the first times I've, I've, I have i i did not know that existed, I guess is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, not, not like... to one up Karan, but, uh, I've got a mouse review coming soon. That's a similar Ooh. design, but they've taken it to the next level and put a fan inside the mouse.
2: Oh my to God. Keep your I'm hand for... cold. For you keeping your hand cool. Okay, so I thought the honey... Okay, now we're actually going to talk about this gaming mouse situation. I thought the honeycomb design was just for, like, maximum structural stability and minimum weight.
1: No. But you're telling me now
2: it's sort of like a hand cooling situation?
3: So I, I think you are right. I think the honeycomb design was all about reducing weight while still, like, maintaining integrity. And also to get that excellent RGB gamer oh that color led flow through. Flow, yeah, all right all right you know? yeah i got you because the mouse just lights up it's really nice yeah. but um no this mouse that i'm gonna be reviewing they literally just took it to the next level and said okay we're gonna do the honeycomb design and we're gonna put a fan in it to to, to blow air through That's the holes cool.
2: you know yeah, what they like should, that, should so. do they should put a fan but not blowing up but you blowing down so you get sort of like an air hockey table effect Ooh. where you, you kind of like glide really cool. your hand over the table yeah all right i'm out this is, it's been a long time since I came up with an idea for a product lab on the Mobile Syrup Show, but I'm out. <laughs> John and I Your used to coming soon. Yeah. We used to come up with crazy, what was the thing we had? It was like a, it's almost like a peanut thing, but it was, it was giving us, uh, anyway. Yeah. So that was pretty crazy. Um, I guess John's got another review coming up and we should actually have some more gaming coverage, I think, coming up in the future because we're sort of
1: launching another part of the website called Syrup
2: Arcade soon as well, which you'll see.
1: And yeah, we'll it's, more it's the start of. It'll be the start of something um, much bigger, uh, but yeah, you'll see that on the site somewhat soon.
2: I will it not be live by the? time? Yeah, it should. It should be live
1: if if all goes according to plan. It should be live by the time um, this episode releases on Friday. Yep, Finger, cool fingers fingers crossed. Don't know how it's gonna work out, but uh, if all goes according to plan, it should it should be out by then.
2: Yeah, and it won't be a huge change. I don't think anything from the start, I don't think anyone needs to be afraid or too excited, but some more gaming content should follow and that should be fun. I know we have some writers that are pretty excited about it. Um, And then just back to the news, this less news, but still something worth checking out. Our back to school gift guide is up. Um, We've got some cool stuff in there. You know, Galaxy Z Flip 3, which we won't talk about too much. Uh, I put like a fun little multi-tool on there, which is hard to tell in the image, but I put it on there specifically because it's very tiny, which I thought was very cool. Um. What else? We got this pillow pad thing, which is an as seen on TV thing. But I know a guy with one, and he lives for it. He uses it, it like, every single night. You just put it like it, like lives in your bed, and you just like put it up on your knees as you're like laying in bed, and then you put your like laptop on it on an angle or your iPad or Ooh, something. Ooh, I want that. Yeah, yeah. It's like thirty dollars. It's a pillow, like it's soft. It's meant to be used like in bed. That sounds cool. And he he literally falls asleep with it like on his lap all the time. Um. Yeah, and some other stuff in there, you know, some back-to-school stuff, some more university-level dorm stuff, some younger stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's tough to, like, nail that back-to-school arc. Anyway, moving on to real news, uh, Montreal is investing in an electric- electrification strategy uh, with sort of more micro-transit, which is bringing, like, 2,000 and some electric bikes, uh, some electric taxis, and more charging stations to the
1: cities. i wish that was happening in toronto toronto said (laughs) no to several scooter companies not that not that we commute to an office currently but someday that that'll happen to to some extent um yeah there was a small pilot but i don't think they ever really went anywhere with it or are we still in that pilot zone they apply i I don't want to bird i believe applied for a second pilot with the city and they were done um the first
3: pilot was just in the distillery district Yeah. yeah. I remember writing something about Lime scooters in Toronto, but I don't remember what the details were. It was a while ago now. Well, there was
1: this there was like a a year long period where there was one lime scooter located in Toronto and it would like move around sometimes. And I used to track it just to see where it was and where it was going. And I I still have no idea what that was about. Like whether someone like threw a lime scooter in the back of a pickup truck and like drove from somewhere where they have them and just like started using it here. I've I have no clue to this day. I have no idea what that was about. Yeah. That's funny. I'm assuming my, my guess would be a
2: test, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the electrification strategy for Montreal seems to be more towards electric bikes, which maybe we could get here. You know, like there's so many, I believe they're called city bikes in Montreal, but what are the <sighs> like bike TO or something here? You know, there's all those yeah. bikes in the different stands. Like, I mean, it would be a huge undertaking, a lot of money. And a lot of those bikes to my knowledge still seem to be in like really decent shape. Every time I use them, like, you know, good enough for what they are. Um, but you know, maybe someday Toronto will replace those with e-bikes. I don't know if we'll ever get scooters, but maybe we could get e-bikes. And I mean, that's somewhat of the way there.
1: A mix, it's a-, a mix of like regular bikes and e-bikes would probably be the the best solution. Just like a, a couple of them. I know there's yeah there's a lot of controversy surrounding electrified like last mile transportation yeah. because bike lanes are already such a like a there's not enough of them in the city already, right? So Although having to share better. those with You haven't
2: been down here. You haven't been down here for a while, but since COVID started, they've added in like a Oh, have they? Okay. At least on my edge. I'm on the east edge of downtown. So on the east edge of downtown, like they've definitely cut some roads down to one ways. There's more bike lanes. And I see people with scooters they own in the bike lanes more than the sidewalks now than I used to. So like I feel like if Toronto honestly gave it like a better, more detailed look post COVID, I think the city is now more ready or better prepared, perhaps being the, the more accurate term for electric scooters if they'll reconsider would be a whole different thing and i don't think so but anyway good on you montreal i went there once the electric scooters are sick uh they have been ottawa too really fun but toronto not so much
1: i was in montreal this weekend i didn't see uh any electric scooters no
2: when i was there for the pokemon go thing they were all over but they were like really new at that point so maybe i I wasn't like like, down downtown i guess Mm, yeah fair enough um but yeah i don't know electric scooters are fun we haven't reviewed one in a while. I guess we can't really, without an office, like, go-to. It's not as <laughs> convenient, but maybe someday again. Um, but, yeah, that's Montreal. Electric taxis. Electrification is coming. Um, so this is another one. This stuff I'm going to kind of wrote yesterday, and this, lower leads is like a bigger conversation, but essentially Google Maps is getting a feature that's going to tell you, like, a sort of average price of how much a toll road might co- cost if you were to drive through one on your route. The interesting thing with that is that's actually a Waze feature, um, as with almost every new Google maps feature that has come in the last three years. And I just think the interesting part of this conversation is that like Google bought Waze three, four years ago, maybe, I don't know. Google bought Waze a long More time ago. More than that, I think. At this yeah, moment. it's a long time. Um, and at the time it was like, no, we're going to have Waze. We're going to run it as a separate business, blah, 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 at which they've done. But they've, they've basically taken almost every feature from Waze and added it to Google maps. Not everyone, but a lot of the big ones, you know, like, um, what's that one so you can like drop a pin like there's a speed trap or there's construction
1: ahead the the traffic the traffic data is also pulled from ways and fed into google maps to my understanding as well that that was that was i think at least initially a big reason why google purchased ways
2: yeah um but it's just like i don't know i guess it just makes me think about like fitbit like do you think so what we got like four years left of fitbit and then google's just sort of incorporating it into their own products
1: well, I mean, Waze, Waze still exists, right? Like, they, to to Google's credit, they they kept it around when that acquisition happened. I think it was five plus years ago at this point. I honestly didn't expect that. I really thought that they were just going to gobble it up and it was going to disappear in a couple of years. I still use Waze all the time. Probably not really? every single time I drive. But, like, I used it this weekend in Montreal. I used to drive to my parents' house right. when I was on all vacation. Right. Um I like the community aspects of, of Waze and I I used it long before the acquisition too. So some of that's just me continuing to use the same app again, but I do appreciate that Google kept it around despite like what you're saying where it really doesn't need to be around anymore. You could just use Google maps.
3: I I think Waze also has um, a lot of value for Google in that it's, it's almost like a testing playground, Where Mm, like if Google wants to put a feature in Google Maps, they can put it on Waze first, see how it does, see how people like it with like a smaller group before bringing it to Google Maps, which is a much, much wider audience. Very true. Um, Which is, I don't know, the Google product I always like to go to with stuff like this is Inbox because Inbox was kind of that idea for Gmail. They had all these cool new experimental features in Inbox that people could try. And people really liked, and then they could like bring those features over to Gmail based on how the reception was on inbox. But then Google was like, Well, screw inbox and all the people who love it, they can suffer. We're gonna shut down. Yeah. And out. they didn't they didn't do that
1: with Waze, which I'm I'm still like every every couple of days I like not every couple of days, but every couple of months I think about it and I'm like, I think it's coming. Like I think they're gonna kill it off at some point. Same.
2: No, I, I mean that's kind of where I was hoping this conversation would lead. And it's like I totally like how long do we think Waze has left? You think forever? I don't know. I'm I mean, giving it a year, two years. I'll give it
1: two. I, I, I think forever at this point. It's been it's been too long. It's it's not worth them killing it. There's a pretty dedicated um, community that would be really, really like. I know that this has happened before, but I think it's yeah. a much much larger community that Waze has worldwide um, that would be really pissed off if they were to just kill it off.
2: Actually, yeah, I would be interested to see how many people use Waze worldwide and also like how many new
1: users We've have started using Waze
2: over the past few years. Like, is it still gaining new users now that Google Maps has a similar feature? So I think it's kind of
1: 130 million monthly active users worldwide. Is this a recent
2: statistic, last three years or so? As of
1: 2019. All right, I'll thank uh, you. Okay, 2020, 140 million.
2: Wow. All right, so they're... Oh, but that's not... So that's like a massive a little... number, right? yeah 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 but not a lot of growth but a little bit um right you said
3: 120 and 140? Right, yeah, well, one,
1: 140 yeah well 140 is of
3: 2020 i right, mean it's probably nothing compared to google maps which has i don't know oh yeah, yeah. probably fair in the billions line. of users yeah. but it's yeah it's definitely something
2: fair enough um and then just uh the last thing this just came out yesterday but uh The Korean Herald is reporting that the Galaxy Z Fold 3 and the Z Flip 3 um, have accounted for more than uh, 450,000 pre-orders, which might not seem like a lot compared to an iPhone, but compared to the previous Fold and Flips is like quadruple, if not more. Yeah, probably like five times the amount. Maybe even more. So, pretty exciting, and it whoops, goes to show that people look to be buying the Flip and Fold three. I don't want to talk about them too much because we just basically spent like two podcasts talking about them. Yeah. But we had theories that people were going to buy them, especially the Flip this year with its lower price and with the pre-order numbers that are being reported on, which you know we're assuming are accurate. It's not directly from Samsung, but what we're assuming is accurate. It seems like that's the case, which is exciting. Anyway, I think that's sort of it for the news.
1: Yeah, all, all I was going to say about that is uh, for the first time I actually see or have, like my friends have asked me about it, like the the Flip flip 3 in particular, because they're seeing the slightly lower price point. They've asked me, like, is it a good phone? How does this even work? I saw this before. It seemed like an experiment. Is this something I could buy now? And that that's yeah. to me always like because my friend, some of the people that I've grown up with, they, they don't follow tech at all. Um, so when they start paying attention to something, I in some way see that as like a litmus test for like mass consumption to some level right yeah the other day i caught
2: alex uh like pricing them out on her website on on the website on her laptop so people seem into it
1: nice yeah so let's get into the the bulk of the show um i i'll kick things off i think the way we're going to do this is we'll each talk about one device and then you guys ask me a couple questions about it um, so the first one that I wanted to bring up was the Xbox Series X. I reviewed that for Mobile syrup back in, I believe it was November when it released. The one thing I would say is that wh- whatever next-gen console you're trying to buy, it's really, really hard to get your hands on one. I think it's a little easier to get an Xbox Series X, but you still have to be like basically living on the internet, and, and like watching for restocks to happen. Yeah. My brother is actually trying to buy one right now, and he's been trying for about a month or so, and... Hasn't even come close to getting one. There hasn't been a single restock that he's been able to jump on. So it is still extremely difficult to get them. That said, I I really liked the console when it came out. There was a few things that stood out to me. Uh, One was the super fast multitasking, the ability to jump from like game to game, coupled with Game Pass, the fact that you can just like try out a game for this relatively low monthly fee sort of has changed the way that I play video games. I'll take more chances on stuff that like, I normally would never play because I don't want to drop the cash on it. A good example of that is um, Yakuza like a dragon. It's like a weird Japanese RPG game that I never would have even considered buying at any point in my entire life. But because it, it, I I think it's on Game Pass now, it wasn't at launch. I believe it's on Game Pass now. Um, I can do a little search. You keep talking. I was able to like check it out, right? I, I sometimes get confused because we get all kinds of codes. I think I, I got a code for it when it first came out, and I believe it's on Game Pass now. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, that that's one of the factors. Um, but yeah, there it are some confirmed. things... It, it is. Okay, cool. Yep. Glad I don't sound like an idiot. Uh, Not this time. <laughs> there are certain things about the console that haven't changed, though, right? Um, one of the big criticisms of both the Series X, the Series S, and the PlayStation 5 is there's not a ton of like really worthwhile exclusives. I think the PS5 does have some now. Like Ratchet and Clank's a good example. There's a couple other games. I guess so, games. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, the, that the,
2: Returnal game and yeah. then Dark Souls.
1: Yep. Uh, it's not necessarily no, Demon Souls, I think. Demon Demon Souls, Souls, yeah. Yeah. Souls yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I want to know what that was. I think it was Soulus. <laughs>
2: No, I so I, I bumped the Sonos and I knocked over a little speaker. These are things I'm talking about later. Foreshadowing. Sorry, Pat.
3: <laughs> it's just a so the, blue smear on my screen. I can't see yeah.
1: what
0: it is. It's all, all, all I
1: all I really was gonna say was that um, it's still a machine that makes last gen games look better, play better, load faster. There aren't really any killer like you need to buy this console to play this game sort of titles that that's not a thing that's existed yet that was one of my key criticisms when it came out fast forward to now that really hasn't changed there's games that look stellar like assassin's creed valhalla looks really really good still one of the best looking games on the console sea of thieves cartoony art style but it looks really really good on the series series x gears 5 it's like two years old now probably the like no argument best looking game on the series x hands down so that like it does improve the experience but if you're like the back like back in the day the reason to buy a new console is always to have that new Games. fancy shiny new game right that's yeah. not a thing um for me personally because i'm not really into a lot of the playstation 5 exclusives it's the same thing on that console right you're gonna get the the for me anyways i get that same experience yeah but but generally speaking My opinion about it hasn't changed. There's games coming down the line. Microsoft has all those first-party studios that are working on stuff. Halo Infinite is just a couple of months away at this point. It's nearly 100% going to drop in November. I know that's a cross-generational game.
2: It is, yeah, true, it's cross-generational, but it is for sure 100% going to drop in November, but not 100% of it is going to drop in November. Yeah, there there won't be... a very good distinction.
1: Co-op no co-op and no forge. I don't care about forge, but the lack of co-op is, is disappointing because for years Brilliant. I've played through, I've played through that game with um, my friends. So that's, that's kind of sad that they, they weren't able to get that up to up and running um, yeah. sometime. We'll, we'll probably do like a whole podcast episode about halo at some point. Cause I, I have some opinions about that game and I, I hope that someday someone who does like investigative gaming related reporting, like Jason Schreier does, some sort of an investigation into that game's development because it's it's definitely been um, tumultuous. Long like, in, time. In, yeah, it's it's been a long, long time. But generally speaking, I like the console. If you can get your hands on one, you're going to be happy with it. Yeah.
2: But do you Does, like you like it? I have lots of questions. I have some questions. Do you like it a lot? And I'm sure lots of people do love it. I mean, all my friends I have them are like, "Why don't you get an Xbox?" Yeah, blah blah blah. But like to me, it just. It seems like legitimately they're like realistically they're hard to get. Yes, but there really is no reason to get one. Like Halo's coming in last gen. Halo's coming to PC. Most of the games are until like Forza Horizon Five. Is that the only true next gen one? Although it doesn't really look that next gen to me. Um, but like other than that, I don't know. It's like six hundred bucks, and there I just haven't been given like a really big reason to get one.
1: No, yeah, there's I, that, even that's with the issue.
2: even with Game Pass getting better. And like more cloud streamy is like even taking away a reason to get
1: one. Yeah, Yeah, I, 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 John, go
3: ahead. I I just wanted to say, I wanted to jump on this question too, because to me, it does seem like there's a huge value argument there with Game Pass, the lower cost of a Series X or even a Series S compared to a PC. And I think there's a program, I don't know if it's in Canada, but there's a program where you can like basically pay a monthly fee for your console and your game pass. And so you don't even have to buy it outright. You can just like more or less subscription your Xbox from Microsoft. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. what my brother
1: wants to do. And that was in stock for quite some time. And now that's, that's not even in stock anymore. Yeah. But you you guys are right. There is.
2: I just feel like any game to
1: justify the purchase at this point.
2: Like, unless you like it's, it's not if you're a real gamer because like, we all can sit here and no one's going to deny that like games are going to come out for it and like things are going to be worth it and the games are going to be played and they're going to start being worse on Xbox 1 and all that stuff is going to start happening. It just hasn't happened yet and you know what I mean like there's sorry there is um I don't know just the Xbox 1 like I still have it. I have my PC in between the two of them. I haven't really missed out on any any games and even that really fast loading time stuff is coming to PCs in Windows 11. You will need specific hardware for it which is gonna be not for everyone yeah nvme storage but you know it's not like those are out of reach for everyone anymore i guess or will be i don't know i like the new consoles i'm just not like really sold on them and like it's kind of leading me down this line of like is this the last console generation
1: no everybody says that you've heard that like a million times at this point people are saying that back with the xbox 360 and when the xbox one was coming out. i think there's always going to be some sort of physical hardware Um, But I I do hear what you guys are saying. And that's the main criticism of the Series X is the simple fact that there's not like you need the console to play this game. That's not a thing that exists. And I think that that's increasingly where the industry is moving away from, especially Microsoft, where you can play stuff over Xbox game streaming. That's like a a huge thing. You can play things on PC, especially the first party games like Halo Infinite. It's going to it's going to be on PC. Right. So. I think that this generation of consoles is very different. I do think that we will see games that are worthwhile buying the machine for to play them, but those games will also be available on PC, right? So that'll be another option for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, the the one thing I've kind of noticed is definitely Microsoft, more than Sony, seems to be going on this trend of it's more about the games and making the games available to play because that's where Microsoft makes its money, right? Like it sells the Xbox either at cost or at a loss so that people have the hardware to play the games. And then that's where Microsoft makes its money back is on game sales. And so, you know, I definitely don't think this is going to be the last console generation, but I definitely see a pattern where this might be the last traditional console generation where you buy a big box that you plug into your TV plug into your tv like the next console might be more like a chromecast
2: Yeah, for and sure you, that's right you I just
3: think. you know stick that into your tv or you stick it into your monitor and you just stream your games you don't even you know
1: so they're working on something like that too to, that links to to game pass uh, sorry yeah. x cloud or xbox game streaming whatever you want to call it at this point
3: the the one question i had for you pat is i think the new xboxes have support for keyboard and mouse and i just wanted to know if you've tried that at all and what your experience has been because you know for me as a pc gamer um the biggest thing actually is keyboard and mouse like i hate playing console games now because the controller just feels awful to me compared to keyboard and mouse
1: yeah i've I've never i've never tried it because i'm on the other end of the spectrum right we've we've talked about this off the podcast like Using a mouse and keyboard to play something like a shooter just feels so incredibly foreign to me. Like I I would in some ways have to like relearn how I play games from the ground up to be able to do it. Um, that said, I do know people that played the Halo Infinite technical um, preview, preview, which I wrote about. It's up on the site. They played it with a mouse and keyboard through the Xbox. I believe that was something that was possible. Um, And they said that the experience was generally pretty solid. There's some weirdness with Halo, I think, because I believe the game's still built from the ground up for controllers. Um, So there's like some strangeness with like the auto aim that comes along with controllers. And then you don't have that anymore when you're using a mouse and keyboard because you have the added accuracy. So there's like, there's some, I forgot what people described it, like some, some weirdness just with the aiming that I think will end up getting tweaked out. But generally i've heard positive things like i know people that play sea of thieves on the xbox series x with a mouse and keyboard um it's not something that i would ever do because that's part of why i don't play games on pc right i i grew up using a controller that's what i do it's too late for me to switch at this point and i don't i don't really want to because that's what i'm comfortable with right
2: yeah
1: um Oh, that led me to a question. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, the keyboard and mouse
2: support seems to be pretty robust across the Master Chief Collection on PC. So I would expect that Halo, uh, Infinite, will launch with like, to please PC players as well.
1: Yeah, it's. I'm I'm glad they're doing it, but I'm also very curious. Like, I don't know what Halo is going to look like cross platform with some people on PC and some people on gamepad, like. Are those two experiences like are you gonna be playing against people with PC automatically? Is that something you're gonna to have to opt into in like a game like Apex? It's it's gonna be really it's gonna be really, really, really different. Um in the Master Chief collection, I think it just bases who you're playing against on by what
2: controller. So like if I play a controller plugged into PC, I'm playing with console people, I think.
1: But sometimes there would be a mix, depends on what your lobby could get. So the other thing that I way. wanted to mention and because I monopolized so much time with the conversation about the Series X, we'll, we'll go through this really relatively quickly. The other device that I reviewed was the iPhone 12, um, particularly the mini. When it came out, I felt that it was too small. 5.24 inches was way too small for me since my getting my hands on the purple version of it. <laughs> it's really grown on me. I think the color was what kind of made me want to give it more of a chance. I appreciate the size. It's nice that I can just like slide it in, in, into my pockets and it doesn't feel like there's like a weight in there. It's really nice. It has all of, all of the features that I generally care about. I know it doesn't have all of the camera fanciness, but overall it, it has like pretty much everything you need. And then the the other thing that I was going to say is I know there's been a lot of criticism surrounding the battery life. I don't think it's been quite as as bad as like some people made it out to be. I still get through a full day with it, and then some if I if I need to, like if I don't have the opportunity to charge it overnight. But it is, it, you do notice that the battery is dropping a little bit quicker than you would with a with a normal um, iPhone. So in in the term in terms of that review, my opinion has has changed quite a bit. I originally wouldn't recommend it to anyone unless you like really wanted a small phone. And now I think I think anyone could get it as long as they're okay with the tinier screen. You're not really missing out much
3: would you say like, does a small screen have any sort of impact on usability? Um, like it just seems, you know, most phones have like a five to six inch screen now, and that's what people are used to. And the mini just feels so much smaller. Does it feel like harder to use because of that?
1: It does. Yeah. That's a good point. Actually. Um, depending on what you're trying to do with the phone, it does get like, it depends on the size of your hands, right? Like I don't think I have necessarily big hands, but when I'm trying to do certain things, like even typing, right? Like sometimes I'll make more mistakes just because the screen is smaller. So that but is I think something you would, you would get used to it. Would you not? Yeah. I, when I was on vacation, I actually used the, the mini the entire time, just as oh. a little bit of an experiment. I may, I may write about it at some point if I have the time, but yeah. um, good luck. Yeah. That finding the time will be, will yeah. be the dif- difficult part. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I, know everybody else needs to go through their devices and John, you have to take off relatively soon. Do yeah. Let you, John go next. Yeah. John, do you want to go next? And then if you need to take off, you can hundred percent, we'll just stop for a second and you can take off.
3: Yeah. That sounds like a good plan. Um, all right. So I kind of have two and then an honorable mention. Um, so the first one I wanted to talk about was the pixel Four a 5g slash 4a, 5G/4a. um, mm-hmm because they're very, very similar phones. I think that these phones were, when I reviewed them, I really really liked them. I still think that they're excellent options. If you can find one, the future of both of the phones seems kind of uncertain right now because Google has them listed as out of stock on its store. And I know in the US with the Pixel 5a coming out, they've basically scrapped all of their Pixel phones. Um, So I don't know if that change has come to Canada yet officially or unofficially, but- Uh, I hope not. I I really hope not because there's no 5a here. So basically that means that the only budget pixel option you have is the 4a 5g or the 4a. Um, And yeah, I don't know. They were just both really great phones. Um, And a little bit has changed in my time since reviewing the 4a 5g in October. It still has fantastic battery life. Uh, 5g in Canada has expanded. um, So there's 5g in more areas. It's still not, great 5G like there's not a huge difference in my experience between the 5G and the 4G that's available in Canada in most places um but for the 4A5G being a budget device that's like $650 in that range in Canada I don't remember the exact price but you know getting something that's future proofed with 5G access so as 5G continues to roll out down the road you're going to have that access is really good still a great camera, even though Google's camera tech is starting to show its age, just all around a really generally great device. And then on the 4a, no 5g access, but it's a really awesome small phone. And for both of them, I've been running the Android 12 beta on both devices, and it feels really, really solid. There's still some hiccups, and it's not quite as smooth as on some of the flagship pixels. Um, But it is a beta software. So I think that Google's still probably working out some of the kinks. But just all around, I think they're great devices for the cost and just a lot of value there. Uh,
2: My question is... Go ahead. Go ahead, You can ask ask first. Thanks. Uh, My question is, how do the chips both... Like in both phones sort of held up over... uh, It's been what? Roughly a year for the 4A, almost a year for the 4A 5G? Or, uh, you know, 10 months? So how have the chips held up over that time? Do they still feel relatively snappy? Because they're both low and mid-range chips, if I'm correct, right?
3: Yeah, they're both low mid-range chips. The 4A 5G is the 765G, I believe, if I remember correctly. And that's what's in the Pixel 5. 5, So it's the same chip there. The Pixel 4A is the 730, the Snapdragon 730, if I remember correctly. Um, Like I said, both phones still feel relatively snappy. I do notice a difference if I take the 4A 5G next to the pixel four i don't have a pixel five to do a comparison with but the pixel four was the last uh pixel phone with an 800 series flagship snapdragon chip so Mm -hmm. side by side comparison i would say that apps open you know maybe a fraction of a second faster on the pixel four compared to the 4a 5g or the 4a but the difference is fairly negligible and yeah
2: i think the the bigger question is less how it compares to older pixel phones but more just how it uses in isolation i think the bigger thing people worried about is when they came out with these lower-end chips it was like will they last long into the future and now here we are a year later do you feel them still usable devices or do you feel like they're laggy and starting to show their age faster than a flagship would
3: no i i would say that they're still very very usable um it's hard to say precisely because like i said i've been running the android 12 beta yeah, on that's fair. Of them. And that definitely has had a performance impact. I've noticed Android 12 is a little bit, you know, rougher, um, but it's, it's still definitely usable. And aside from the odd kind of glitchiness with Android 12, like they're still great devices and they work fine.
1: All right. Do you want to tell us about the Fitbit Sense next, John?
3: Yeah. So that was the other one, uh, I reviewed sometime in 2020, September, I think or August one of those two Um, it at the time when I reviewed it, I was like, the smartwatch itself is fine. It's not super crazy. It's a nice watch. Um, But the app and the software was kind of not great in my eyes. It was glitchy and um, I had some issues with it. Now, uh, almost a year down the line, um, the Fitbit sense itself, I actually really enjoy wearing. I love the watch. It okay. It's smooth. It works great. Google Assistant is nice to have. Um, when I, I use it now, and then, I don't now. use it a lot.
2: No, that's yeah, cool. That, like when your hands are full, you need to start a timer or
3: something. That's yeah. it's really – that's sick. Yeah. It's super handy. Uh, the Fitbit app I think has also gotten better. I still don't nice. like it. Like uh, of the oh, Fitbit okay. – or not – sorry. Of the fitness apps that I've tried, you know, Google Fit, the – Withings Health Mate slash Nokia Healthmate, whatever that is now, because it keeps swapping hands. Yeah, you're right. I don't... It. The, <laughs> even Apple's health app, they all feel like better apps. Like the Fitbit app feels very, um, uh, what's the word? Just janky and not great. But even, you know, I've kind of gotten used to it. So aside from the Fitbit app, like everything else with the watch is great and I really enjoy using it. And I'm very interested to see what Fitbit does next with the Google acquisition and the changes to Wear OS. Um, I'm kind of excited. I'm I'm hoping that Fitbit announces like a Fitbit Sense two in in the future. That's basically this watch, but with Wear OS. Um, yeah, I, wouldn't I be that would be surprised if that ideal
1: I actually saw a sense for the first time probably a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tasia got one for her. Well, her family got one for her mom um, for her birthday. And I was surprised at how premium it feels. Like, it feels like an Apple Watch. Like, Yeah, it, nice. it, it feels really, really it nice. Was, it was really nice looking. The one question that I had about it, um, and I, I did, like, some Googling because her mom was actually a little curious about this. Is it possible to connect Bluetooth headphones to it and stream music to it or put, like, actual downloaded songs onto it? Or is that not something that the sense is capable of?
3: I think so but i'm honestly not sure that's a feature that i've never used and i don't think i ever will i know that i can control spotify like the spotify playing controls on the watch so if i'm listening to spotify on my phone i can pause play skip whatever from the watch i know
1: you can do that i'm pretty sure like i i only researched for like i don't know five minutes or something like that but i don't think you can connect bluetooth headphones to it um, yep, you know. can. You can. Okay, can. cool.
2: To the sense? Yeah, the sense. Yeah. You you can connect bluetooth devices. Uh, how do I change bluetooth audio? Yeah, sense is here. It seems to be available.
1: Okay, cool. Cuz that that I'm was one go. of the glaring things that I I for a device that costs that much money that otherwise is like seems to me to be 100% on par with the Apple Watch in terms of functionality. That was the one glaring thing that uh was missing. So it's cool to see that it's actually there and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah, well, it may be missing, like they might not have Apple Music or Spotify integration
2: as well as Apple Watch does. But from my research here quickly, it just it does seem like you can connect Bluetooth headphones. That's as far
1: as I'll say that I was able to see. Cool. Um, So, John, I think you have to take off. So this is a great time for us to hit an ad break. Okay, so John is gone. He is learning about top secret stuff that we can't talk about. He's in he's in a briefing about things and and stuff.
2: We wouldn't tell it to you guys anywhere. So <laughs> deal with
1: that. So the the last person on this list that needs to talk about the devices that they're taking a second look at is none other than Bennett. I believe he what, has uh, it in his hands. I can't really tell what it is because it just looks yeah, like four it is. pixels. I, I know we keep mentioning that and we haven't even explained it on the podcast. For whatever reason, the platform that we use, Zencaster, um, to do these remote podcasts, it like doesn't like Bennett's camera and it no. ma- turns him into like a video game. So I truly, it just looks like I'm talking to some pixels on the screen right now. I think he's got a speaker in his hands, but I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, this is actually good, a good exercise for me because it's like stress the audio. This is a podcast, um, so <laughs> yeah. In my hands here, I'm holding a UE Wonderboom Two. I've got a blue one with green buttons. Not that that really matters. And I'm also holding a Sonos Move, which neither of these things actually came out in the last year. But my you reviewed opinions, them in the past year. Nope. <laughs> I, before, a little Even bit better. before that. A little bit before that. Um, but my opinions on them in the last year have changed considerably. Like now that I've had a lot of time, specifically with this Sonos move, I, I'm in love with it. I, like when it first came, I'll just jump right into it. But when it first came out, it's like a $500 speaker. And it was one of my first interactions with Sonos. And I was like, I know the reputation it does sound really amazing like if you have sonos you want one that will move a little bit like yeah get this speaker it sounds like it it really does it sounds better than the sonos one it, it is like the reason i love it so much is because it simply sounds better than any other portable speaker i've ever used it's huge you you sacrifice a lot because it's so huge but it does sound so good that's why the ue wonder room is here too it's like to make up for when you need like a little portable guy the ue wonder room tomb is like a hundred dollar speaker that you just can like clip onto your pants or your backpack and just have with you for situations where the Sonos Move is too big. But the Sonos Move, it was $500, and I used to not recommend it to people because of that. And I was like, this is too expensive, a speaker isn't worth that. But now I've had it for you know over a year, and I literally use it every day. It's, it's just my main speaker that I use. It has a dock, it sits on its own dock, so it's always charged. You can play through Spotify Connect or AirPlay or the Sonos app, you just stream music to it within your house. You want to go outside or go to a park, you can just pick it up, bring it with you, bring it, you know, if you're driving somewhere and you can bring lots of gear, you can bring a big speaker and really blow people away with like top quality audio. Um, Yeah, I I, I mean, it's like waterproof. The battery is replaceable. So after a few years, if the battery life is starting to get really bad, you could replace it and have it for a few more years, which I will probably do. Because like I said, I legitimately use this every single day. I. I, I I
1: don't know how else to describe it. It's like so the, that good. The one question I have about it is it's designed to just correct me if I'm wrong. It's designed to be used as a portable speaker within your home,
2: right? Um, Yeah, that's sort of like the main the main design because it's so big and it has that like dock. So as long as it's connected to Wi-Fi, you can stream music to it without even using Bluetooth, like using Spotify Connect or AirPlay, like I was talking about, or the Sonos app. So You know, on your back porch, moving it around your house, maybe your like neighborhood. If you were like really close to your neighbors or something. That being said, I still do bring it places with me because it just sounds so good, and it's also very clear at low volumes, which is nice. So even if you're not using it to its full potential, it still will like
1: push and carry that sound with nicely throughout a room or But this isn't something I could I could like take camping or whatever right like that's not the idea it's like an in-home portable speaker that like if i'm chilling in my backyard i can take it there and like put on my porch or something
2: yeah so um that's sort of where it kind of becomes how much do you like music and how much you like carrying giant things if i was going car camping as someone who really likes music and playing music and just having good music i think i would now bring this like originally i wouldn't have because it's so big if i was going like canoe camping or backpacking or something that's where the wonder boom comes in handy it's waterproof it floats it's super light it. it does sound decent but like this sonos move is 10 times the speaker that the wonder Room is the wonder Room is like a passable speaker when you're hanging out with your buds at the beach or whatever you know it's gonna work you're gonna get used to it but like you really want good high quality music, this thing is is worth it. I don't know. You have a Sonos One, and I feel like you've we've talked before. You said
1: you use it a lot because it simply sounds. If I want to listen like I have, so I used to live in a world where I had Alexa devices and Google Home devices. I don't really have any Alexa devices other than one near my door to use with my Ring doorbell, so it makes a noise now. Um cool. I've switched mostly to Google Home. I have a couple Nest audios, one in my bathroom one in my bedroom a bunch of um what's the nest with the camera the smaller one the nest hub yes nest, nest hub nest i have two two nest hubs in different areas of my home and so like what I'm, what I'm setting up here is like i've used a lot of different smart speakers over the years i think beyond you at the site like we both review most the, the majority of them and this yeah one you've one... got me
2: because you've done
1: some apple ones oh yeah that's true i did do the now defunct um What's the Apple speaker called again? It's too early in the morning. The HomePod, yeah. The the first gen HomePod and the HomePod mini, which sounds shockingly good for such a tiny device. But yes, the the point I'm making here is the Sonos One. Two Sonos Ones paired for stereo speakers, which I think costs roughly 500 bucks at this point, is by far still the best. Like, If I want to listen to music, which is usually if I'm working in the office or playing games in the office, that's where I go. Um, I mostly use the other speakers for listening to podcasts or like if I want someone's over and I want to be like listen to the 12 speakers I have around my, my house and then I make music play through them but generally speaking the Sonos ones in my office just around my desk that's my my like key area for for listening to music and they sound way better than anything else that I own.
2: Yeah, I uh my whole house is outfitted like that. Smart speakers, but also in Sonos. Like there's literally a Sonos in every room. Oh, nice. Every room I go into, I could turn on a Sonos and use it. But, you know, it's easier than turning on a Sonos and using it. Just picking up the speaker that's already playing music and just carrying it to whatever it. room you're going to and then carrying it back if you have to, which um is like the whole problem Sonos is trying to solve with its entire system but I use this giant Sonos, move. I'm holding the Sonos move right now, I use the giant Sonos move just as a portable speaker, like, I'll literally put music on it, and I'll just carry it to the living room, carry it outside, carry it to the bathroom, I'm gonna have a shower, like, I don't know, it, it, like, the hassle of having to, like, go find my phone, go through, connect different speakers, sometimes AirPlay doesn't quite work, so you're going in, You Spotify Connect can't do multi-rooms, you gotta go then into the Sonos app, like, those things are supposed to make it. Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to make it more convenient, actually, and up making it more complicated. And it's just easier. This one's already playing music because I put a song on it earlier. Let's pick it up, take it into the kitchen, make my lunch, bring it back. It just works out. It ends up being the most convenient that way. I don't know. Um, It's like hard to sell a $500 speaker. I'm glad we started this on the podcast, but like, it really is so, so good. And I think like when I first wrote the review, I was like, "If you have Sonos and you want to like expand your Sonos system, maybe get this because then you can take it outside or take it to the beach and then still use it as a Sonos." And my perspective has now changed, which is kind of why I wanted to do this. Is like, if you want to start with Sonos, start with this. You could start with the two hundred dollar Rome, which is a smaller portable speaker, but the Rome isn't that good, to be honest. I would just buy the Wonderboom because at least it floats. What's the Rome price difference between the Rome and the Wonderboom? Yeah. Um, I think the Rome is like two hundred and eighteen bucks and then this is like one thirty, but you get them both down to like two hundred or a hundred on sale all the time. Okay so about a hundred bucks in between them. Um and I would say just get the Wonder Room for those like situations and then get the move for situations. like if you really care about music quality, none of, no other speaker except for this portable guy is really gonna get you where you need to go. I think that's all I can say. And if you're gonna start a Sonos ecosystem, this is a good place to start because you get a a super great speaker. Yeah, you're paying a lot for it, but B, you can then take it everywhere with you and it kind of like negates the need to really start expanding your Sono system right off the bat. Like maybe you'll get a sound bar down the line or something else, but like this will cover everything and gives you that same like Sono sound quality that you've come to expect and ease of use other than like kind of the misconvenience con- thing when you're trying to move music around too much. Anyway, that's it for speaker talk. I don't know, do you have any other questions about it? Does it seem like a crazy combo? It's like I'm basically no, telling sense. people. Get a six hundred dollar combo, which is a one-five hundred dollar speaker that's gonna hopefully last you. In my mind, I'm hoping it's gonna last like nine to ten years. The speaker shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be pushed that hard. You can replace the battery. And then a cheaper hundred dollar speaker. Ideally, something rugged. I mean, I elbowed this off my table earlier. Hopefully it still works. I'm betting that it does. Waterproof, it floats. I've thrown this, dropped this, watched this roll away in just really precarious situations. Always fine. And plays music when you need it. So that's sort of Brad's speaker combo rec- recommendation that I've been sitting on for a long time.
1: All right. Hit us with the, the Fujifilm X-T3 quickly.
2: Um, so this one I didn't review cause we don't really review cameras, but I did get it within a year. So it does have, that's what does fall into the distinction of that. I just, a lot of the things I've reviewed lately, I don't have much changed opinions on them. Um, but yeah, the Fujifilm X-T3, it's a camera I recently got. I also got an X-S10 or, well, my girlfriend did, but it's in our house. So I play with it a lot. Um, and i'm just like love them i think i've been trying to convince my other friends to get into cameras more and i think fuji film is the way to go mirrorless wise i know you're an olympus guy and john is a sony guy but i just from using them i, I just love the pictures that come out even non and ross like the jpegs themselves just have such nice colors that sometimes
1: it's too much fun to like. for for shoot. me so i primarily well i've for the last five years been using a panasonic lumix g 85 i think for me it was mostly just like that's what i'm comfortable with now right i could switch to another camera relatively easily as long as i could use still use my very expensive lenses um i'm not i'm not like against going going with a with a different brand and i'm probably due for a camera upgrade at some point either this year or the the year after i typically get a new one roughly every every five years or so um Mm -hmm. but yeah what what I guess my one question is like, what, why do you like this camera? Cause you've used a couple now, right? Why yep. do you like this, this camera more than other very similar price competing cameras?
2: Uh, I guess I should say the XT. So the XT3 was Fuji's like top-of-the-line camera a few years ago. It's been replaced now by the XT4, which this is where the key factor comes in. When that happened, they lowered the price of the XT3 to around 1300 dollars in Canada, which is just like a really, really, really sweet spot for that camera in terms of like performance. So 10-bit color, like re- like decently, you know, about half an hour or more of high quality, like 4K recording, 240 frames per second slow-mo and 1080p. Um, the photos are just really, really fantastic. I bought like a real, like Pat said, I bought a really expensive lens to go with this one, which I, on my old camera, I hadn't really I invested in thing, lenses yeah. and like that has made a huge difference for me and just like my photography in general. I don't know how much like readers actually notice the photography on the site, but I put a lot, <laughs> I put a lot of effort into it. And I think that over the three years that I've worked here, I've really like grown considerably. I think I, most people probably don't know, but I never picked up a real camera before I started working here. And then I just like like this job just like opened up this like love of photography inside of me. And it's been like really growing a lot over the past three years to this point where I've now invested a few thousand dollars into a real camera. And I've been learning to use it through just taking photos for work and doing video for work. And over time I've been getting like way better with it. And like, I don't know, I'm just like really enjoying the satisfaction of having like a new tool that is very powerful, but I didn't quite understand. And it's slowly like revealing itself to me as I slowly start to understand more about it and all these convoluted settings. Um, And it's just like a tech experience that I haven't had in a long time, I think. So when we were younger, I'm just sort of like generalizing because I imagine you feel this, felt the same way, but you would get something and it would be like huge. You'd be like, oh my God, I just got this new yep. tech item. I'm going to like play with it. It's going to be my life. I'm going to discover every single thing about it. I'm going reading down the forms. I'm going to be doing this, that, and the other thing. It's just, this tech item will become my life for the next little bit. And ever since I started working here, that happens a little less, A, because you're reviewing tech items. You don't necessarily have that like just unabashed love for them because you didn't spend hours researching and watching your own, re- like watching reviews and and doing all this like stuff on your own to sort of buy it and and force yourself to fall in love with it you're you're using tech more as a job um and this camera has been the thing i think more recently that's like awakened that little like tech passion in me and uh allowed me to to play in the tech space more as a hobby and less as a job lately and i I think that's the part that's like really been i've been enjoying the most
1: I think that's the uh, with photography and mobile syrup, like one of the things I think a lot of readers don't realize, especially when they shit all over a Facebook post that has like one tiny spelling error in it or something like that, is that we're like we're <laughs> yeah. like six people, right? You know what seven I mean? Seven like, now th- with Alyssa. Yes, sorry, seven now. Um I think people think that this is like a massive website Verge with like size twenty site, people. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I love is like you guys should fire a social media editor. And my yeah. thought when I see that all the time is like, I wish we had one so that we gonna fire myself. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could fire them. It's like, I, I post all of that stuff to social media for the most part with, with some help from other members of the team. But yeah, yeah back to what I was saying, the photography and even the video side, which you do way more of that for you us, did a lot though, back in the day, in I've the beginning, some of your yeah, older
2: stuff and you were really heavy into it back then
1: couple of years ago yeah um yeah. but my my role has changed drastically since then yeah definitely. but um yeah like i i had photography experience before i worked here i went was lucky enough to go to a high school that had like a film photography program i'm not i'm not that old like it was dated at the time like the world had moved on to digital but they yeah, still no, my, taught my even my high school had that i didn't they take still, it but they did have it yeah they still taught film because it like teaches you a lot of the fundamentals and stuff that I still use today. I've always had an interest in photography. Both my brothers are like photographers. My brother has like a small portrait studio that he, he does professional photography. in. so like, I've always had an interest, but before I started working here, I would mostly do like landscape photography, that sort of thing. What we do here, specifically taking pictures of devices, people might think is really easy. It's not like to make a phone look interesting in a picture is extremely extremely difficult i know it's it's not the same as like working with a live subject but there's different things that go into it and it's it's been fascinating over the last six years you like pick up little things we like one of us learns something and then hands it off to somebody else and eventually you start to like you start to see the overall photography quality what did you drop what is that
2: I just dropped my over my can of coffee that I was drinking, but this is my bin of props for like photos at the yeah. site. One of the many is just like random like so much stuff has to go into this.
1: So it's stuff like that where like we've we've all learned over the years, we've all gotten way better. You you can see like if if I go back and look at photos from when I started at Mobile Syrup, there's like an Apple TV review, fourth gen apple TV, and it's just like the whole thing is like straight up covered in dust and I can't look at those pictures. They like make me so sad. But then I look at stuff that I did more recently and and it's things that I'm, I'm far more happy with, like my iPhone 12 pictures from last year. So
2: even your new Apple
1: TV review, the photos are really great. Like the levels
2: like the level between the lighting in the room and the lighting of the the TV is like really, really
1: awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You, you learn stuff over the years and you, you figure it out. Um, and, and I do think like there's a lot of people out there that think that, uh, like DSLR, whether it's mirrorless or mirrored or whatever is, is going away. And I, I don't think that's true. I think that photography will always be around. Like I know my iPhone can take decent photos. Karan, great example. Actually, no, he, he is using a DSLR now, right? He's using my old Canon
2: EOS M5, but yes, the first, EOS, okay. the uh, Dyson V11 review was all yeah, iPhone he did. shots, I believe.
1: And they looked great, right? And yeah, that's, they were super that's good. something that like, I never would have, thought that i would be saying five years ago like you could probably take those pictures and like yeah because we know a little bit about photography we could pick out things like noise or like oversaturation of like the highlights and stuff like that that we would see yeah. in a photo shot with a phone but so for the average about, person yeah. they they probably wouldn't even notice at this point right
2: man there are even times where i'm like out taking photos and if the like if it's just a little too bright or the sky is too harsh you'll just be like taking a photo with your your mirrorless or something and then i'll be like and I, I rarely do this, but sometimes I'll be like, should I just take it with my iPhone? Because then at least I'll get like a really great <laughs> HDR shot of whatever, the, you know, sky is going to be in, exposed correctly. Faces are going to be exposed correctly. and Like stuff like that really is is exciting for mobile photography. But yeah, like you said, there's a sort of a lack of depth and uh, detail. Just how much you can like, people probably don't realize like, how much we can actually crop into our
1: photos. Like things Yeah, like there's that way more to yeah. Um, that said, because... I, I do I do kind of buy into the the best camera you have is the one that's on you at all times sort of philosophy. Now, like yep. I did a lot of just for fun photography when I was on vacation last week. Like I'm sailing, taking pictures of lighthouses and stuff. And I I like I I did that with my phone because that's the thing that I had on me. And I actually like took those photos and and did stuff that I would normally do with something that I shot with a DSLR in Lightroom. And I was shocked at how good they looked because that's not something I normally do mm-hmm. um I think yeah, that's just the last thing is, I wanted to mention did you miss your camera I find whenever
2: so yeah the best for your camera is obviously what you have on you and I'll take photos of my phone no problem but every time I do like if I get somewhere and I'm or if I'm like driving I'm like oh my god, my god that's a really amazing shot I need to pull over and I don't have my camera I'll just be like is it even worth it sometimes like I, I I fall on both sides I get what you're saying but ever like in the last six months or so since lockdown sort of eased up when I started getting out more and Alex was getting a little more in photography too I've been walking around like just always having my camera on me always 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 having my camera on me and now when I don't I'm like so sad because it's like I know I could have been taking like the most baller picture I could be cropping in like at like the angles like get everything how like perfect how I want it and I'll be like but I only
1: have my phone and I get maybe like it's sad. just just what I was shooting at at the time in those couple of days, where I was just doing photography for fun, which is something I haven't done in quite some time. I, yeah. I didn't. I like. I actually surprisingly no, I, that's didn't, fair. I didn't miss it. Those I was just years, like yeah. happy to not have my big bulky. It's not big. It's like <laughs> it's a micro four thirds. But I was happy to not have a backpack on. Just have my phone in my pocket and be able to like move quickly, bust it out, take the picture I need, and, and keep moving on. But I think it depends yeah. on the type of photography I was doing, right? Like if I was trying to take a sunset or like i like some sort of spanning Vista or something like that. I would be like, Oh shit. I wish I had my actual camera. Um, Yeah. But no, just the stuff I was playing around with when I was on vacation. I didn't surprisingly get that vibe. This is one thing, and I'm not even sure where I'm going to be able to go with this. Um,
2: There's this this idea that I haven't been able to crystallize, but I've been kind of like sitting on for a while. So one of my buddies the other day, maybe like three or four months ago at the beginning of the summer, really wanted to get a camera and he was like, "I want to get a camera. I want to get a DSLR. Blah blah blah." And I was like, "Okay, like maybe if you've never really done photography before, I would look into a mirrorless. It's a little easier to compose your shots. You can kind of see. It's a little bit of a cross between a DSLR and a phone camera, like software wise. So it becomes a little easier." Anyway, he gets one. He gets into it, um, but he's having a lot of issues like sticking with it because he, he just doesn't have excuses to take photos very often, which is fair because, like for us, at least at least for me, I could take easily one, maybe two photos every single day for just stories to go up on mobile syrup. If I'm doing a review, I'll be taking five or six, like obviously hundreds, but like editing five or six photos, you know, in my job, I get to take a lot of photos and it's led to me developing a love for photography. And I worry about now that I've recommended this guy, this camera, and he doesn't really use it because he doesn't have this like same inlet to photography. He just has his phone and that's enough for most situations i'm like kind of curious about the future photography on like a more
1: casual sense i think you have to like be going somewhere right like you almost have to have a a purpose and an intent to take pictures at that location to at least in my mind right like when you're not used to it is it's a bit embarrassing to pull out a big camera and take pictures like
2: random stuff if you're in like a tourist spot it's easier but like yeah if you're just like walking downtown you're like point a camera at, at like a random reflection in the that's window. true that's a fair it's point a weird yeah yeah i don't know it's tough i have been thinking about that a lot because i i felt guilty i'm like maybe i should have just told him to get a really cheap dslr or something because maybe that would have been a better inlet that's an but interesting
1: that's point i've never um I've never thought is, of yeah. it that way before yeah, um, it's just like, yeah
2: as a casual shooter your phone can be super casual so getting a big camera to be a casual shooter with harder sell i guess in 2021 anyway yeah that's, that's it those are my sort of favorite tech that i've sort of re-evaluated my thoughts on over the last bit and uh get a sonos move guys if you really want get great spe- if you really want great great speakers and i know it's it's super expensive but if you're going to treat yourself to a gadget i think it's something that you will get
1: and you will you will truly be happy with that's all i got cool let's talk about the games we've been playing So I'll, I'll I know we've run long, so I'll keep it short. I've been playing Assassin's Creed 4. I wanted a game with boats and pirates, and there's really Forest no Black Black Flag. Black Flag, yeah, Black Flag, yeah. Um, there's never been a better game that that features those characteristics. Right. Uh, I bought it for the Switch, so I've been playing it like on the go. I was playing at my parents' place. I was playing it in the car on the way to Quebec. I was like, been playing it all over probably about 10 hours into the experience at this point, And I would say that it's aged surprisingly well. And at times it doesn't even look that ugly for a game that right now is like seven years old. How's um, the combat feel? So I've never really liked Assassin's Creed's like combat. I... To some extent, kind of like what they did with four because you feel more powerful, you're able to just like stabby, stabby all over the place and take out like 10 guys and in just like a couple seconds. Whereas I now, in Assassin's on Xbox, Creed,
2: I was gonna say, I have a recording on my Xbox from when I when the game first came out, it's like a circle of dudes around me. It's just like, shoo, shoo. yeah, just, in, for the audio listeners, I'm just standing in a circle, spinning <laughs> slowly, stabbing people.
1: It's like it's different, like the way it works now yeah. in the games is like it's more um. I don't want to say like Dark Souls like because it's a totally different game, but it's 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 based on timing and uh, dodging, dodging precise button presses, rolling like this was more like button mashy to some extent. And having played that series for for since the beginning, pretty much, I I appreciate kind of like the throwback to that. Um, But yeah, the the ship combat is is what I'm what I'm what I'm there for, like the upgrading your ship. uh, All of the upgrades feel super meaningful. The plot line. Is like it's one of the first games to ditch all the animus crap that some people really right. really care about, but a lot of people don't care about, like myself. So that was cool. The plot's like very straightforward, easy to understand. Um there's there's a great, lot to like great about great location. I love oh, yeah. games
2: set in like tropical locales yeah, like so that. Nice. It's so uh, nice. Far
1: Cry three. And
2: I actually I mean technically in a embargo, but I recently went on hands on with a game that rhymes with Mar tix Ticks. And it's also in a very tropical location, and really, really great. That was my favorite part about it. It reminded me a lot of Assassin's
1: Creed 4 and Far Cry Three. So, you'll, you'll see that uh, on the site somewhat, somewhat soon as well. I think end of the month, yeah. But yeah, Which it's it's up. been fun. Um, I don't know if I'll, I'll go through it all the way. I, it was on sale, mm, kind of an impulse true. purchase by me. Um, I had a longer one too, if I remember. No, it compared to the actual, like the new Assassin's creeds that are like 80, 80 hours, 60 hours. The story, right, the main yeah. story is only 25 hours in this one. So, it, okay. possible I may finish it, but who knows? Um, but yeah, what, what have you been playing? Um, nothing.
2: I, I don't know, man. I honestly, it's a tough segment for you. I haven't even like gamed or like really watched anything lately. Alex and I are watching Ted Lasso season two, <sighs> I which I still true. hate. Alex used to hate it too, but now she's in and she was like tearing up the other day when um, there's a point where Ted Lass is on the phone with his wife and she's just really, really tired of him and it's sad and, and we, we, were, we were feeling it. Um, but yeah, honestly, no games. Like ever since I sort of started this, like just this video project this summer, like my, all my time is just devoted to like either trying to work on videos, think about videos or watching videos
1: about making videos. And that's like just where I'm at. And that Not. stuff should be should be on the site somewhat soon, early September likely, and you may see some of it um, a little bit before the official launch as well.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you'll see anything with me in it before the official launch, but there's a video we did, just a quick one, just to kind of shake off some rust of Dean. We've got the camera comparison of the Galaxy Z Flip that's up now. If you want to check it out and be like, oh, like they're doing videos again. Are they better than they were last year when I was doing videos? You can, you can be the judge of that. There's the Flip <laughs> one. Um, they're better. And there's... Yeah, there's a flip review going up as well. Um Today is a Tuesday for us and it might actually be going up today. I think Dean's thing is written. I, it really just depends on that goes up. But the He wants ready, me so... to get
1: it up today. I don't know if it's going to go up today.
2: Fair <laughs> enough. But that video will be up It'll probably, probably by the time be this... tomorrow. That so that that's fine though. Those two videos, the first two sort of hinting at where we're headed with this, although we're trying to like I'm trying at least to come up with something that's a little less in the, we just do reviews, following the playbook of other tech sites and really trying to find some ideas for like unique or tech content that sort of maybe sits adjacent to the tech space, but is still entertaining and not necessarily competing with MKBHD and the verge of people that are doing things that may be a little out of our league. So we'll see. And it should be a fun project, but it's just taking a lot of time, but um, it's got me really invigorated, which I think is good and more
1: excited cool. than video games. The last thing I was going to say about Ted Lasso is people always tell me like <laughs> you have to give it you have to give it more of a chance. So I have tried tried watching it um, when season one first came out when Apple TV Plus first released because I I do like a lot of the stuff on Apple TV Plus. I then try you don't to, like about it. What I'll what get to that. I'm, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna okay, we're, we're like way it. over. So I'm gonna do this in like thirty seconds. Eh, um, we're over now. So I I also uh, tried watching it again season two couldn't get past like the first three four episodes and then again when i was at my parents place i tried watching it with my dad because he wanted to see it and i set him up like with family sharing apple tv plus through his samsung tv because he wanted to see it also still hate it i do not find ted lasso as a character endearing i find him just annoying um i feel bad for him all the time sure i think that's like, but I, I, yeah exactly.
2: I, That's like part of it,
1: you know. He's but just I like don't some
2: guy who's like, I I, I guess I just don't
1: want to like watch a show where I just feel sorry for the character all the time. I, I and I often just find him annoying. Like I I I'm gonna I'm gonna write about it someday. I think and like articulate why I really dislike that show because it's it's one of the few things that has released in the last little bit where like everybody likes it, and I just it's just. It's just Don't really it at
2: refreshing all. to watch a show that's like not based on a mis... Well, there's like, you know, whatever the regular, like the stuff that's happening behind the scenes, sort of like keeping the plot pushing forward is, is whatever, but like it's not based on a mystery or a murder or sure. sci fi or, or like teen drama or like, you know, who am I going to kiss this summer? It's just like regular people just trying their best. And they're in like a really unique situation. Yeah. Like this, like, football coach uh, coaching european football but like i don't know it's just really refreshing to watch a show where you're not watching to be like oh my god will this make me like cry or hurt or feel something like will this make me confused or scared you're just like i just want to see somebody make somebody else smile and i want to feel like happy like that too i like that it just doesn't i I do
1: i do enjoy content like that it just doesn't Do that to me; it just makes me hate Ted Lasso, and, and then I frown, and then I sit there like grimacing at the TV throughout the whole episode. But we got to wrap have this you, up.
2: Uh, all right, all right, fine. If you, if, you ha- if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, and you're thinking that you might be like Pat, just Google Ted Lasso dart scene. Watch that scene. I know the scene you're talking if you, about. If you too. if you feel nothing, join Pat at his like uh psycho meetings of people who have no empathy. And if you feel <laughs> something, enjoy Ted Lasso and reach out to me online.
1: Oh, I hate that show. That's it. Thanks for listening to The Syrup Cast. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at atpatrick__orork and, of course, on mobilesyrup.com. Bennett, where can people find you? Uh, you
2: can find me online, Instagram, Twitter, at thebradfad. M- most of my work-related stuff is on Twitter. If you care about my photos at all, that's on Instagram. And then, of course, my work is on mobilesyrup.com and soon to be
1: on mobile syrup YouTube as well. You took Thanks. some sick uh, like Toronto Skyline photos recently, too, which look really good.
2: Yeah, that's actually for a video which I don't want to hype up too much. Um, it's probably my favorite video I've made so far. I don't know if it's really something that other people are going to get a lot of entertainment out of, uh, but I basically sat watching the Toronto skyline for an entire day, taking photos every hour on the hour to make a dynamic wallpaper for Mac. That'll be a cool video coming out. But uh, those photos are on my Instagram if you are curious about what the skyline looks like over.
1: It's a good. Hours. It's a good one. I've um I've seen a cut of it. It's 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 cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. It might get cut down a bit. It's a little a little long. There is a few things I am thinking don't add exactly what I want to it. So we'll see how it ends up. But yeah, it's a fun one for sure.
1: And as always, you can find all of our content on mobileserp.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at Mobilesurf. Thanks for listening.